Then the one whose death defeating life has come with life. May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his Son, his crucified and risen and promised returning Son. Amen. Some of you know this about me. I like old things. I like old depression glass. I like old wooden coat hangers. I like old bottle caps. I like old baseball cards from the 1960s. I like classic rock and classic cars. I like history because it's about old stuff. But I also like new things. I like new grandchildren. I like that I'm getting a new daughter-in-law in July. I like seeing new places that I've never seen before. I like finding new bottle caps there that I haven't seen before. And most of the time, I even like new challenges. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this morning, this fifth Sunday of Easter, to ponder the reading from Revelation 21, because it is about our God who makes all things new. People God dearly loves. We've been hearing readings from Revelation ever since Easter morning, And we'll hear two more before we conclude this festival season with Pentecost. But I need to say this as I begin. The revelation of St. John is not a series of predictions about the end times or about the world's political future. Nor is it written primarily to give us pictures of heaven. So what is the focus of Revelation? It's simple. The last book of the Bible is about the past and the present and the future triumph of the Lamb. For Christ who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia. I'll add a bit more. Revelation is not a linear document, not like the Gospels are, who tell a series of events in order. First this happens, then this happens, and finally this happens. Instead, this vision of the Apostle John that he receives while he's exiled on the island of Patmos is one scene on top of another, stacked, layered, picture and symbol on top of symbol and picture. And this was good news to the people of God who received this holy scripture in the later years of the first century because the church was under persecution. The church was enduring tribulation. Our brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ needed hope and they needed encouragement. Though Christianity would not be declared illegal until almost more than 200 years later, these early Christians needed God's gifts. They needed comfort and courage because they were afraid because they needed to hold on to the truth, because they wanted to be faithful, faithful to the point of death and receive the crown of life. And what was true for them is also true for us. 
We need our Lord's gifts because we are afraid, because we need to hold on to the truth, and because we want to be faithful to the point of death and receive that same eternal crown of life. So John delivers this wonderful vision to the church of the first century and to believers of every century. He delivers this wonderful vision to believers in every place, in Rio Grande do Sul, in Brazil, and in South Texas, in these United States. And the why question needs to be asked. Why does he sell this to us? Because we have questions and wonderings. Who loves me? What is my identity? What is my future? And so we begin with the old. The oldness which began in the almost brand new Garden of Eden. It is the oldness of sin. It is the oldness of separation from God because we are sinners and he is holy. And it is the oldness of death. Serpent Satan's lie was this, you will not surely die. And no, Adam and Eve didn't fall over dead with the juice of the fruit running down their chins. But sin brought death for everyone and for everything. Sin brought death to our families. It brought death to our crown of life family. And death in Buffalo, New York, when a young man enacted a sad and evil tragedy on those who were grocery shopping yesterday. And we think, we think this, something that is imperfect but perfectly normal. What I see and what I experience is all there is. But Revelation 21 tells us that there is more. There is more that God has planned for his people. There is more. There is more that Christ has won for his sisters and brothers. There is more. There is more to see. There is more to experience. That's what this section of Revelation 21 tells us. For John doesn't just see different things, things that he's never seen before. Rather, John sees things never before seen because they are new realities. New realities. The new realities are newness in place of oldness. They are the actions of a crucified and resurrected and ascended Savior who declares, Behold, I am making all things new. And this is what John saw. A new heaven and a new earth. He saw a new Jerusalem. He saw a new bride. He saw a new dwelling, and he saw a new spring. I must say this. There is mystery and wonder in these visions because God is doing a new thing. The transformation of heaven and earth will be so wonderful, so radical, so glorious, so complete that the word can only declare There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the city of God, the home of the temple, the throne of the kings of Israel, this place will be so wonderfully transformed that the word can only declare there will be a new Jerusalem. John sees this city 
as a bride, as a new bride, as the bride of Christ. His mate, the redeemed church, has been transformed so completely and gloriously that she can and must be described as the bridegroom's new bride. This rich language is wonderfully redundant. The new heaven and the new earth, along with the new Jerusalem, with the new bride, are where God will dwell. No more tabernacle, that tent pitched in the wilderness on the long trek from Egypt to the promised land. And no more temple either, no structure with ark and altar, no gold vessels, no curtain hiding the holy of holies, none of these. But God making his permanent residence, his eternal home, his new dwelling with all those baptized into his multicolored and multilingual family. There is one more part of this new creation in these first seven verses of Revelation 21. John sees a new spring, the salty and bitter tears of death and mourning and crying and pain are gone. Now there is only the fresh and clear water of life, an always flowing, never drying up, brand new stream from which we will drink for eternal days. Connie and I saw new thing after new thing for the 18 days we were together in Brazil. Almost every day, there was someone or something new for us to discover and marvel over. The Cristo Redentor statue in Rio de Janeiro, the powerful Foz de Iguaçu with almost 300 waterfalls, the cataratas, which make up this awe-inspiring complex. And then there were the chaos of motorcycles darting in and out of traffic, the tasty and abundant foods, the churches and worship services for the past two Sundays, gathering with Lutheran saints who spoke and sang a different language, but who spoke and sang in the same language of faith that we do. These were all new to us. But today you and I rejoice that we are promised something new and something better. The old has gone. The new has come. The old of sin was paid for on that terrible and necessary Good Friday. The old sacrifices were set aside by a new and complete and unrepeatable sacrifice, Jesus' death on the cross. And we who were once unclean are made uncommonly clean by Christ crucified. And the old and haunting power of death the power which means sadness and sorrow, and those cannot and should not be denied. This power was canceled. It was canceled by the new and never-ending victory of our resurrected Savior. And this new reality turns sorrow into joy, as Jesus promised his disciples in the upper room. I told you as I began my sermon that I like both old and new things. Here is one of the old things I've loved for 40 years. It's the baptismal shell I brought with me to Crown of Life from Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Saginaw, Michigan. And I used it here for most of the 35 years I've been here to pour simple water 
from the Edwards Aquifer while speaking the triune name of God. A number of you have heard me say over those years, it's never been broken. I've never dropped it in all these years. Until I did. (laughs) Almost two years ago. I dropped it on the floor right there. So I picked up the 15 pieces and sadly and slowly glued them back together. From where you're sitting and looking, you can't tell. But get closer and the repairs are quite obvious. It's still old, but it's not new. It only seems to be. Thanks be to God. He doesn't just glue broken pieces back together with cracks still showing. He makes all things new. He makes us new with his complete forgiveness and by his death-defeating third-day triumph. And the Father gives this gift to you, for in Christ Jesus we are his new creation. I will end by saying these words, even though we've sung the canticle with that language in it, the only thing left to do is to sing a new song to sing the new song, the new song of salvation in Christ alone, the new song that unites every tribe and language and people and nation claimed by God the Father as his precious sons and precious daughters. Em nome do Pai, e do Filo, e do Espírito Santo. Amém. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amém.